Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. John chapter 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. Jesus is speaking uh, to the disciples and He says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will He do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in My Name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I wanna speak to you today on the subject, greater works than these will you do. Greater works than these will you do. Uh, It was back in March 2013, I was preaching at a church on the Mornington Peninsula and after the service, I went out for lunch with the pastors of the church and as we were sitting there having lunch on the foreshore, I noticed all of these people swimming, cycling and running, literally uh, into the hundreds, if not thousands. And me being me, I was super interested in what was happening, what was going on. And so at the end of lunch, we went across and started to watch these athletes. They're actually competing in the Melbourne Ironman Triathlon. And that is an event with a distance of uh, 3.8 kilometre swim in open water, 180-kilometre bike ride and a 42-kilometre marathon run. Needless to say, it's filled with much weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so I um, was watching this and getting super inspired. So we jumped in the car, we drove uh, and followed the runners to the finish line and uh, watching athlete after athlete for about an hour uh, complete this incredible event and do things that for a lot of people would just be, you know, I could never do that. And I began to think about, well, could this be something that I could do? It was so inspired. So 12 months later, after a month, a year, not a month, a year of training, I um, signed up and was able to uh, finish the uh, Melbourne Ironman. And uh, and as... I just saw something come up on the screen. That wasn't in the first service. That's me coming out of the swim like I'd finished the race. I was just glad that I wasn't eaten by jaws. And so, um, you know, I think too often we look at the extraordinary accomplishments of others and we exclude ourselves from participating in the same thing and doing the same thing because we say things like, well, that's good for them, but I could never do that. And we sort of satisfy ourselves to being spectators of others who do all of these extraordinary accomplishments. And I think the same thing can happen in our relationship with Jesus. When we read of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, we can be so in awe of the miracles and the signs and wonders and everything that He did that we actually exclude ourselves from doing the same things. And we say, well, that's good for Jesus He's the Son of God, He's the Messiah, He should be able to do those things, but I could never heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, serve suffering humanity, preach the gospel, sacrifice like Jesus, sacrifice. And we know, obviously, that when it comes to the work of salvation and redemption for our sin and what Jesus did on the cross and the empty tomb, none of us are fit for that because there's only one person, Jesus, who can actually pay that price, who can 
can actually be the substitute and stand in the gap for us and take away our sin, and that's the Son of God. But when it comes to Jesus' ministry, when it comes to the miracles, when it comes to the extraordinary things that we see in the Bible, the Bible is filled with example after example of ordinary men and women doing extraordinary things in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of those examples is Peter and John in the early church. The day Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter and John are heading towards the temple to pray and they see a man who is disabled for most of his life and he's sitting at the gate, beautiful, and he's begging for alms, for money. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, and walk, and the man miraculously walked. So extraordinary was this miracle and event that the crowd came running to this man to find out what was happening. The authorities began to question Peter and John as to what authority, by what authority, by what name they were doing these things. They were astonished that an ordinary common fisherman, the Bible says in Acts 4, was capable of such things. The same person being Peter who denied Jesus three times, foot and mouth disease. The same person who actually found himself partnering with uh, lies, the satanic thinking and telling Jesus that he could not die and be the sacrifice for all of humanity. The same person who would sink in the waters when he was trying to moonwalk across the ocean. That same person was the very person that God filled and raised up to perform mighty miracles and great acts, preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And then we see in Acts 3 and 4, ministering the healing power of Jesus' name to a man who most would say it's impossible for him to be healed. You need to know Acts 3.16, Peter gives us the reason why he was able to do what he did. And his name, being Jesus' name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect help in the presence of you all. I wanna tell you today, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a rewarder of faith. He doesn't come to us and say, oh, Corey, you've got the title pastor before your name. I'm going to sort of respect you more than someone who may be just listening to this message today. No, he's not a respecter of persons. He's a rewarder of faith. And the Bible says in verse 12, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. John's gospel is known as the book of signs, signs and wonders, not signs and blunders, signs and wonders. And the reason is, is because from chapter two to chapter 12, there are all these signs that the author writes about in Jesus' life and ministry that point to Jesus' divinity as the Son of God. Signs and wonders like he turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, the feeding of the multitude, uh, 
multiplying the loaves and fishes, 5,000 men besides women and children, Jesus defying the laws of gravity, walking on the water, restoring sight to the blind, raising Lazarus from the dead. And whenever you see a sign and a wonder in the Word of God, it's about arresting people's attention to the reality of who Jesus is and calling faith from them to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I wanna tell us today that signs and wonders are still on the menu of the Word of God and of the Kingdom of God and of the local church. They have not disappeared 2,000 years ago when Jesus ascended to the Father and we hear over and over again, we were hearing during the baptism a testimony of what was happening in someone's life as they surrendered their life to Christ. And if we sat any number of you down and heard your story, you would be able to highlight and point to miracle after miracle, story after story of people's lives being transformed. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. And whenever the Bible repeats a word or a phrase, in other words, Jesus is saying, or the Holy Spirit is saying, listen up, I've got something important to say to you. I want your attention. And so here is Jesus and he's writing, he's speaking to these disciples. John is writing to all those, including us, who would read of this conversation. And he's saying, listen up, I'm about to tell you something really important. And he uses this word, the very next word he uses is whoever. Everybody say whoever. He says whoever, an important word in this discourse, in this story. Now, if... Billy Graham, Mother Teresa and Eddie Maguire, or we're gonna jump off a cliff. Jesus wouldn't look at Billy Graham and say, Billy, you've been an amazing evangelist. You've saved thousands, millions of souls. Well, he didn't, Jesus did, but God used him. Uh, you, you're just uh, Christ-like. You've spoken to presidents and, and prime ministers all around the world. You've impacted nations. I'm just gonna defy the laws of gravity for you, Billy. When you jump off, you're just gonna be suspended in the air and it's all gonna be okay because you've earned it. You're a good bloke and we really appreciate what you've done for the kids. Kingdom, so you just hang out in the air a little bit and float. He's not going to say that. He's not going to come to Mother Teresa and say, Mother Teresa, you're so kind, you're compassionate, you're gracious, you're merciful, you've served suffering humanity in Calcutta, India, all over the earth. You, you look after impoverished people. You're so sacrificial. I'm just going to defy the laws of gravity for you because you're Mother Teresa. But when he comes to Eddie Maguire, he's going to say, Eddie, you've been a bad, bad boy. He'd been a very naughty boy. And not only has Collingwood sacked you, but you are too. Your black and white guts are just gonna crash all over the ground and uh, you're just gonna fall down and you're gonna go. And, and because I, I just, I, I really love and respect Billy and I really love and respect Mother Tess, but I'm not too sure about you, Eddie, and, and how you've been operating and living your life. No, that's not what's gonna happen. The laws of gravity that God has built into creation apply to Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and Eddie Maguire. In the, amen, that's spoken from a good Essendon supporter. And so, in the same way, when the Bible says, when Jesus says, whoever would believe in me will also do the works that I do, there are no exceptions. He means, I studied it, the word whoever means amazingly whoever. 
whoever would believe in Jesus will also do the works that he did when he was on the earth. I don't know about you, but that is a game changer. It encourages me when I don't feel very superhero, supernatural, and I'm guessing there's a few others in the room who've gone over the last two years, you're tired, you're weary, you need a holiday, you need to hear from God to go to the Gold Coast, you, you need all sorts of things. But I'm here to tell you today, whoever believes in Jesus will also do the works that he did. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever, there it is again, would draw near to God, must believe that He exists and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, the belief that Jesus is talking about is faith that moves to action, not mere mental assent and acknowledgement that there is a God. The Bible says in James 2.14, what good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Verse 17 says, so faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There are lots of people in our world, in fact, the stats tell us over 50% of our culture, population here in Victoria, believe that there is a God, but if there's no corresponding works of faith, then that faith is dead. It doesn't add anything, it doesn't change anything, it doesn't move anything. It's not enough to believe that there is a God. James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one. James says, well, good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even demons believe that God is one. But there's no corresponding works or action in their life that reflects that belief and so a knowledge of God without corresponding works is as helpful as a demon knowing that God is one and shuddering in the corner. It doesn't change anything around us. But I'm here to tell you today that genuine faith in Jesus will lead to doing the works that Jesus did. In 1 John 2, 6, the Bible says, whoever, there it is again, whoever says he abides in him, meaning remaining in Christ, being intimate with Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It's not just what you know about Jesus, it's what you do as a result of your faith in Jesus. Knowing Jesus plus faith-filled obedience equals power in the kingdom of God to do what Jesus did. It's not about how old you are, young you are, fit you are, or unhealthy you are. It's about your faith. It's not about personality, whether you're extroverted or you're more comfortable around public speaking or you, you like to hang out with people in a party or you like to get energy from be, hanging out and being by yourself. It's not a personality thing. It's not an age thing. It's not a bank account thing. It's not a demographic thing. It's a faith issue. It comes back to your personal revelation of who Jesus is and the faith that you bring to that revelation in your life. One person with little faith 
just a mustard seed, the Bible says, but lots of action with that mustard seed of faith will produce more fruit, will do more good works than someone who has lots of knowledge or a hundred people with lots of knowledge, but little action in their life. Knowledge isn't power. It's the knowledge of God plus faith-filled obedience that is powerful, that actually brings about change in people's lives around about us. Jesus didn't say greater knowledge than this will you know. He said greater works than these will you do. Our knowledge of the Bible, our knowledge of Jesus, however small or however great, must translate into fruitful works. In other words, we're called to be participators and not spectators. When, when it talks about Jesus' works, it includes His signs and wonders, miracles, ministry activities that confirm the words that He spoke when He was on the earth. Jesus said, the Father who dwells in me does His works through me. So once you're saved from your sin, believe in Jesus, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're called onto the playing field of God's purpose and intention for your life. You're called to participate in doing the greater works that Jesus has called us to do. How is that possible? Answer, through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The greater works lifestyle of following Jesus is accessible through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Jesus said, and greater works than these will He do because I am going to the Father. What is the greater works? The greater works are not somehow more miraculous signs and wonders than what Jesus did in His ministry. The greater works that Jesus is talking about is the entire ministry of the body of Christ, the church across the world, post Jesus' ascension to the Father and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself as you read of the miracles of Jesus' ministry, wow, wouldn't it have been amazing to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Wouldn't it have been amazing to see Him restore blind eyes and, and minister to that invalid, that man at the pool of Bethesda? Wouldn't it have been amazing for Him to, for us to see all of these miracles in the flesh? And yet, as long as Jesus stayed on earth, the kingdom of God was restricted to His physical presence. When Jesus went to the Gerasene demoniac across the Sea of Galilee, the work of the kingdom was restricted to his physical presence. But you need to know that on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus ascended to the Father and He poured out His Holy Spirit at Pentecost, every single believer can now engage in the greater works that Jesus has called us to do. On the day of Pentecost alone, more believers were added to the church of Jesus Christ than in Jesus' entire earthly ministry. 3,000 were added in one day. Right there, there's greater works. I mean, by today's standards, Jesus' ministry, 120 disciples left in the upper room, wouldn't have been seen to be the most successful ministry on the planet. And yet Jesus would, had saw more miracles and had more fruitfulness and, and kingdom and heavenly success than any of us maybe in our lifetime. And yet Jesus had the audacity to say even greater works than these. Will you and I do? How is that possible, Jesus? 
I mean, you, we believe your word. It says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not uh, return void and will not pass away. How do we know that's true? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the helper, the indwelling executive agent of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The empower, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I wanna tell you today, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you are a follower of Christ, is alive in you. The same Spirit that brooded over the waters waiting for the Father to declare, let there be light. And then He began to move and, he's, and, and the Bible says, and there was light. How did that happen? Not just because He spoke, but because the Holy Spirit moved. The same creative power that is in the Spirit of God is in you because the Spirit of God lives inside of you and I. You see, the time for greater works is now if ever there was a time for it. The person that God's called to do the greater works is you. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a get filled with the Holy Spirit and get out onto the playing field of God's purpose for your life. You know, because we live in an entertainment saturated culture and how many of us know during the last two years of COVID restrictions, we may have watched a, a TV show or two. We may have watched a movie or two. We may have sort of all become armchair experts on how the world should be uh, restored back to our original uh, idea of what it should look like. And, and so we live in an entertainment saturated culture where we think if we saw it, we did it. Am I right or am I right? Just welcome to the world of sport. And so, you know, when my two boys play for their respective soccer teams, all the dads and mums don't tend to enter into these conversations, but all the dads show up and they're watching eagerly, sort of living out vicariously their glory years through their kids. And, and so they're watching all of this unfold. And the dads think, if we saw it, we were out there doing it. And the reality is, no, you weren't, you fat slob. You were at the side of the soccer pitch eating chips and you were the armchair expert trying to work out everything that was going on. And we talk about the game like, oh, if I was on the pitch, I would have done that and they would have done this and this is how it would have worked. How so it all sounds good in theory until you're out there. And there's a lot of people in the church of Jesus Christ that have become armchair experts forgetting this is not a spectator sport, but we're called to participate. You say, well, what's the point in coming to church then and listening to you bang on about the greater works? I mean, we're here today. We're watching you get all emotional and worked up. What is, what's the point of it? Yeah, but this is like the fueling station. This is the training barracks. This is the environment where iron sharpens iron and where the Word of God comes and cuts things off of us that are not Christ-like. And we fellowship with each other and we get to be a part of being planted in the house of the God of the Lord. Church isn't just what happens when you come and watch a preacher. Church is what happens when we go and be the church in the rest of the world. We've got to make sure that we're not like the disciples gazing into the sky, watching where Jesus was and went and miss what God is wanting to do right now in our lives. 
The disciples are there in Acts 1. Jesus has ascended to the Father. He's gone. He's having a party with the Father at the right hand of the throne of God. And the disciples are like, wow, I guess that's it then. What are we going to do? Pete says, let's go fishing. And so, they're, you know, it's sort of like they're just caught in what God once did. And so many Christians are caught in what God once did rather than looking to be a part of what God wants to do right now. I want to tell you, as great as God has moved in this church over the last 96 years, He moves us from glory to glory, strength to strength, even greater works than these will you do. You may not fully believe that yet because we've been, we're all a little bit punch drunk and the season that we've been through and all that's been going. But I'm telling you, I believe. I believe His Word over my feelings. I believe His Word over the report of the media. I believe His Word over everything else, all the naysayers, the doubters, the critics and the soothsayers. I believe His Word. And because of that, I'm gonna do the works that He did. It's not about how you feel on any given day, even though God cares about your feelings. It's about the faith that you bring to the truth of His Word. Even greater works than these will you do. How do we access the greater works that Jesus is talking about? by exercising faith in Jesus' name through prayer. He says this in verse 13, whatever, so we've gone from whoever to whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's almost like God's coming to us as His kids and He's giving us the credit card And he's saying, I'm giving you permission to go and exercise transactions on my behalf between heaven and earth. I'm giving you permission. And by the way, the credit card has endless credit. Thank you, Jesus. That that sounds good. We'll take that Christmas shopping. Maybe we won't. Um, But he's saying, I'm giving you permission to use my name not to satisfy your own selfish desires. He's not talking about, you know, Learjets and villas in Monaco and your own fashion label. He's talking about doing the same works that Jesus did on earth. He's saying, you've got authority in my name that when you pray and when you ask the Father, because Jesus is the mediator between us and God, when you ask the Father in my name, you should expect that what you're asking for healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, preaching the gospel, people get saved, serving suffering humanity, ministering to the marginalised and oppressed. You should expect that kingdom works, kingdom power, kingdom fruitfulness will be seen in that situation. If God isn't answering our prayers, maybe we should ask Him what's on His heart and pray that. Have you ever been in a season, maybe you are right now, you're asking, asking, nothing seems to happen. I've just learned, step back and say, God, what's on your heart? What do you want me to pray about? And He will reveal that in His Word. He'll reveal that to your heart. And all of a sudden, there's a new momentum that kicks in. There's a new authority, a new fruitfulness because you're praying, yes, Jesus does care about the intimate details of your life and my life. He cares about our needs, but He says, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. Let's not get caught up in using Jesus' name to try and secure all these other things, but let's get caught up in building the one thing that Jesus is building on this planet. He said, pray like this, your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying wherever you find yourself, he's not asking you to, to put on a seamless tunic and grow your hair out, pick a star, put some sandals on and start wandering the streets of Melbourne calling people to repent. He's not asking you to do that. He's saying with the life that you have, the family, the job, the circumstances, the dynamics of all that you're going through, right there in that place, you can engage in the greater works. Sometimes He does ask us to leave jobs and sometimes He does ask us to let go of things, give things away, uh, be generous towards other people. Sometimes He does ask us to do radical things in our life, but often we think, I could never do that when actually the greater works lifestyle is accessible right where you are. You see, what God is doing is He's not just inviting us, but He's calling us to do what Jesus did. And I began to think about this, how each year at Christmas, we celebrate when Jesus came to earth, and rightly so. We sing carols, we give gifts, we stuff our faces in the name of Jesus. It's a, it's a heavy load to pay. But we do all of these things to honour and celebrate this season of the year. And it is right and fitting, and yet it's interesting that just as much as we celebrate Jesus coming, I think we need to celebrate Him going back to the Father. Because without Jesus, if Jesus didn't go back to the Father, the greater works would not be possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that is why we not only celebrate Christmas, but we celebrate Easter and we celebrate Pentecost because if Jesus didn't go, He wouldn't have sent the Helper, the Holy Spirit. It would still all be restricted to His physical presence, but now He is with us always to the end of the age because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, the time for greater works is now. The place of greater works is here. And the person that God is calling to do the greater works is you. Even greater works than these will you do. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.